Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. All right. So our next song, do you want to start us off, Cressy? Yes, so Cowboy Like Me was written by Taylor Swift and Aaron Dessner, and it was produced by Aaron Dessner. So this is one of those songs that I don't get, but it's not in the same way that I don't get Willow. Like, I'm intrigued by Mm -hmm. this song, you know? I Mm -hmm. want to get it. And let me just tell you what I'm picturing. Okay. (laughs) It's kind of, it's a little ridiculous. I, this was one of the first things that entered my mind as I listened to this, especially because the title, Cowboy Like Me. Um, two gay cowboy con artists who were lovers. <laughs> Brokeback Mountain? <laughs> yeah, I have that in my notes. Brokeback Mountain, question mark, and then definitely gay, right? <laughs> oh my god. Because I don't know, because okay. like the point of view, it kind of sounds like it's sung from the point of view of a man. And... Is it because they're saying you're a cowboy like me and boy means man? Maybe. And maybe that's just super basic of me. I mean, who knows what what's going on here. But for whatever reason, I'm picturing yeah. two gay cowboys just conning old rich people. Major Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. vibes, am I right? I've never seen that movie. <laughs> I really should. Okay, so let me just get into a little bit more of why. I feel like I should explain other than just like loudly proclaim, mm-hmm. this song is gay. You know, like, I should like back it up. <laughs> So, um, this isn't part of it, but I just wanted to ask you what you thought of the part and the tennis court was covered up with some tit-like thing. Because I, you play tennis. What did you think of that? Is it like oh. a, like a wedding reception? Like a prom? What do you think they're doing? Um, actually when I heard a critique of this song, they talked about how she started it with the word and, how she started the song with the word and. Um, and the tennis court was covered up with some tent-like thing, and you asked me to dance, but I said dancing is a dangerous game. I'm picturing, okay, I'm picturing a hoedown in Texas. Okay. Because, you know, like, they do, like, or, like, uh, square dancing. You know, that could be something that would be covered by a tent on a tennis court outside, real casual, hay bales on the tennis court, mm-hmm. too. That's what I'm picturing. Okay. Yeah, I was just kind of picturing just something outside being covered up, like, a, some sort of reception or... Something with dancing. Who knows? I'm definitely thinking hoedown. Yeah. Just super casual, grungy, cowboy-like. Yeah. You know? Okay. So uh, <laughs> the chorus, I've got some tricks up my sleeves. Takes one to know one. You're a cowboy like me. So I've got some tricks up my sleeve. That's part of why I think this is like kind of maybe about like a con artist or something. Or maybe someone who like mm-hmm. tricks old men and like takes their money and after sleeping with them or something, mm-hmm. you know? Or, yeah. like, in closeted old men and, like, I don't know. And especially because of the line, telling all the rich folks anything they want to hear. Like, it could be love. I could be the way forward only if they pay for it, you know. But mm-hmm. um, take someone to no one. That was the first time I was like, okay, so this is about, like, gay lovers. Like, it takes one to no one. Yeah. You're a cowboy like me. Brokeback Mountain. I never viewed it as two men but I like that point of view and that certainly you know I remember with folklore a lot of people thought that the love triangle could have been three women Mm -hmm. so it could really be anything that you make of it um similarly to you I do picture them as two con artists Mm -hmm. like two cowboys rough and rowdy cowboys that no one could ever pin down until they finally met that match very like Blair and Chuck Bass vibes. Like they're both like crazy people, Mm -hmm. but like they are so crazy together that like it works and they're so like magnetically attached. I'm getting really excited about this. Um, But I was definitely, definitely experiencing like kind of nomadic cowboys, con artists, like going around town, just being selfish, doing things on their own until they met this one person. I said, (laughs) my note reads, Feels like a romantic Western movie. Transports me to a new place. 
Um, I feel like that's a very basic thought, but I do think that the imagery in Evermore in general is just crazy. Same thing with Ivy, Mm -hmm. same thing with Cowboy Like Me. Like, I see pictures when I hear these songs. Um, But (laughs) I guess I'm not very profound about this song. I like it. Like, everyone talks about liking this song. And every time it comes on, it always surprises mm-hmm. me. I'm like, yeah, that's just smooth. It's just like a yeah. smooth Yeah, ride. like I, I just don't get it, but I want to. I, I feel like I get it. Like, I feel like it's like one of those classic love stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one line that I really want to bring up is with your boots beneath my bed because of that line in the song. Whose bed have your boots been <laughs> under? Oh <my> <laughs> Our country so. queen over here from Maryland. I know. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Let's talk about the bridge, though, because this bridge is awesome. Yes. And the skeletons in both our closets play hard to mess this up. Okay. Interesting point. (laughs) Um, And the old men that I've swindled really did believe I was the one. And ladies luncheon have their stories about when you pass through town. But that was all before I locked it down. Now you hang from my lips like the gardens of Babylon. So, we're going to have another quick lesson, Ali. Oh, my God. Are you ready? This one, I don't know a lot about this, so it's going to be fine. But do you know what the okay. Gardens of Babylon are? Uh, I definitely have an idea of what I think they are, but yeah, certainly so they're don't know. one of the seven wonders of the world. Okay. But there's, like, no physical evidence that it ever existed. Interesting. Spooky. Yeah. So, allegedly, there was this massive garden of Babylon that was very ornate and people would travel all across the world just to see this garden that's how Mm -hmm. we know it may have existed because Mm -hmm. we we have this evidence but there's there's no ruins for it there's there's nothing and it's really interesting because all of the other like seven wonders of the world you know Mm -hmm. we know where Stonehenge is (laughs) yeah but we we don't know that this even existed it's crazy so I think that's kind of an interesting metaphor like now you hang from my lips like the gardens of Babylon. Like, it's this magnificent thing, but is this real? <gasps> chills. I Yeah, I did just get chills. Like, it's just like, you're like, you are a seventh wonder of the world, but I don't know if like what we have is real. I think that's so beautiful. Damn. Her mind. Yeah, I definitely, sorry, this is just the history me coming out, but I definitely feel like if gardens of Babylon did exist, they were definitely like destroyed during a war, you know? Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on this song? No, I just, I feel good now that I've expressed why I think this is about two cowboys, but I'm completely open to being wrong because I don't get the song and I would love to get it the same way that I get champagne problems. So please send us your thoughts. If you disagree with me, tell me, I want to know. I want to know everyone's thoughts. I want to hear all points of view. I find it so interesting how Taylor's imagination works. Like, would you ever think Taylor is, like, having this romantic, you know, daydream about a Western situation of cowboys? Mm -hmm. I mean, she did, other than she was a country artist, but, like, it is a romantic Western movie, you know? Like, I just, like, who would have thought Taylor would write it? It does kind of fit the, like remoteness of what folklore and evermore kind of stand for though all right ellie so before we go on to long story short i just want to bring up the unpublished so special limited edition southern gothic episode of i did something crusty i was going to release oh i haven't heard of it (laughs) really let me tell you just kidding oh my god i had notes on cowboy like me that it reminded me of the short story good country people so it's a short story look it up you can read it and Maybe like 15 minutes and it's about getting conned by a lover. Maybe Taylor read it. Probably. I'm sure she had to read it for school or something. That's how I read it. (sighs) Well, now for the next song. Long story short. So long story short was written by Taylor Swift and Aaron Dessner and produced by Aaron Dessner. So I've seen an overwhelming response to this song from different pages that I follow. Like pretty much everyone is like, long story short, my number one, like everyone loves it. I really like it. I wouldn't have named it my number one, but I do have a lot of fun when I listen to it. The whole like 
And I fell from the pedestal right down the rabbit hole. Long story short, it was a bad time. Pushed from the precipice, clung to the nearest lips. Long story short, it was the wrong guy. How Alice in Wonderland. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, she's suddenly switching stories again. (laughs) Like, I know that a lot of people have interpreted this song to be autobiographical. And I think that is pretty correct based on evidence such as oh i'm ready to get into it basically all of it like i don't know one line that i feel like makes me feel sad for taylor Mm -hmm. if if i'm interpreting it exactly how she meant it when she wrote it is the line actually i always felt i must look better in the rear view I thought that this was sad because it reminds me a lot of her songs. Like, she obviously romanticizes a lot of her past relationships. So, like, her saying, I always felt I must look better in the rear view kind of makes me think of, like, all too well. Her romanticizing that relationship and, like, wow, he must think I was so great in the rear view but not great in the present. But I know you're dying to talk about this song, Cressy, so... I just... My thoughts are all over the place, so I'm going to have to ask you all to bear with me. Um, Oh my gosh. So we talked earlier about a possible song that may be related to Mirabal because we Mm -hmm. know it exists. And I think this song could be a contender. I think it's up in the running just because she talks about falling from the pedestal, you know, being raised. Mm -hmm. And the line that you just said, the um, Mm -hmm. looking better from the rear view. That's a mirror. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. But that's really all I have for that theory. <laughs> I feel like it kind of works, though, you know, because it is yeah. about, like, being on the top. Long story short, it was a bad time. Well, and no one really... So everyone instantly thought of this song as pretty autobiographical. No one thought of Mirrorball as an autobiography. And it ended up, in the Long Pond sessions, being almost entirely autobiographical. Yeah. So it's interesting, because that one was, like way more of a deep metaphor mirrorball was i mean and then compared to this one where everyone is like oh yeah that's taylor that's her life <laughs> yeah 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 that's true that's a good point another line that really stuck out to me was at the golden gates they once held the keys to when i dropped my sword let's just take it back a second let's okay. picture the look what you made me do music video when she's in the golden bird cage i knew it i knew it i knew it and in that part that's the part where she's singing, locked me out, or what? what is the, what is the line, locked me out through a feast, took my um, keys. through a feast. That's the line that's, yeah. that's not exactly, but y'all know what we're saying, right? I'll Google it. You took the key and locked me out and threw a feast. What? Another day goes on, another drama, drama. Yeah, something like that. And that is about Carly Kloss because she yeah. literally invited people over to Taylor's apartment without Taylor knowing. Yeah. So Hug you, Carly this line, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like at this Golden Gate, like this cage, they once held the keys to. Yeah. And if you guys don't know what we're talking about, listen to our Carly Kloss episode. Taylor also has a cage in her backyard, apparently. Interesting. Kinky. Yeah. Seems like a little, um, little spot on of a <laughs> metaphor for celebrities. Yeah. Since that's like the most like cliche metaphor for celebrity life Mm -hmm. but i mean even miley cyrus danced in a cage at one point yeah so i don't know i also really like the line uh nemeses will defeat themselves before you get the chance to yeah because true because honestly like that fucking happened yeah like with i don't even really want to say his name since he's kind of struggling right now he's going through it but um yeah they all know that the person from the vmas (laughs) <laughs> he, she didn't have to do a damn thing. He did it himself, you know? Yeah. Her, yeah. you know, like, her nemeses did defeat themselves. Tay freaking voodoo. Well, and yeah, and most of the time, if you're a good person, which Taylor is, like, your nemeses are usually bad people, and bad people yeah. do bad things to each other. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, like, in the end, that person's losing by the way that they're living. So true. But not to get into too much detail since that person might also be dealing with some underlying mental health issues. So I think it's just a good lesson to just let let your nemeses defeat themselves. And I also just last note I have on this song, I feel like this is I forgot that you existed, but the more mature version. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's all grown up. She's done with it now. Like long story short. Bye. 
Thank you for sharing your diary, Taylor. Thanks, Taylor. We appreciate it always. We love you. Yes. So let's move on to Majory. Majory? Majori? Marjorie? Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Yep. I actually, like, I thought about this after, like, listening to the song. Because, like, I've heard that name. Marjorie is one way to say it. I feel like a more, like, French je ne sais quoi type of way of saying it is Majorie. Or, wait. Yeah. Majore. I don't know. <laughs> like, um... So I always second guess myself before saying this name. Can you say it normally? Because I, for my brain is broken from everything today. How is it properly pronounced? I think the way that Taylor pronounces it is Marjorie. Okay. Sounds a lot like margarine to me, like butter, but not. Okay. But. I have to skip this song because it makes me too sad. So <sighs> if, if you're wondering why I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm about to get a little deep with mine. My Let's analysis. Hear it. Okay, so Marjorie was written by Taylor Swift and Aaron Dessner and produced by Aaron Dessner. So some things that are just a little bit of background about this and things that Taylor has said is that Marjorie is Taylor Swift's grandmother who is no longer here. Um, She passed away and Marjorie was a opera singer and you can kind of tell even from the lyrics of the song that Marjorie was an early inspiration for Taylor and probably still inspires her to this day because she was an opera singer Mm -hmm. and so on. And there's a lot of um, references to that within the song and some of her interviews. When I hear this song, it's very, I don't know, I don't want to be disrespectful, but it almost has like a ghostly vibe to me, which I'm not sure if that's something she was going for but at one point in the song they literally put in an excerpt of marjorie singing opera um it comes towards the end of the song and that's actually her voice singing with taylor's i just think it's a very beautiful song i was honestly like it really warmed my heart to see how many people responded so well to this song too because i do think it's kind of out there you know like Mm -hmm. i I think it's like, it's such a beautiful song and like so deep and meaningful. And maybe it's because a lot of people can relate to certain things like this, but I don't want to get too deep, but every once in a while, um, I actually had to write this out because I didn't want to stumble upon it. Um, But every once in a while, I think a lot of Taylor fans get kind of blown away by how deeply personal a singular line in her song can be. And it's a different line for different people. But like, I think... Most likely, if you're a big Taylor fan, you've had this moment probably at least once where she just says something and it's like, oh my God, exactly how I was feeling. Kind of like the line from Death by a Thousand Cuts, I asked the traffic lights if it would be all right. They said, I don't know. Like everyone went crazy for that line because they were like, how did she put that into words? Yeah. Okay. So the line that really did this for me was, and I didn't get it at first, um, but now it really like speaks to me is should have kept every grocery store receipt because every scrape of you would be taken from me. So when I was younger, when I was nine years old, my dad passed away. And I remember when he passed away, I kept every single thing basically that I thought that he had touched. Mm -hmm. If I had seen a grocery store receipt that he had gone to the store and bought certain things, I would have 100% kept that receipt because it was like, some worldly thing to hang on to before that person was gone. I Mm -hmm. hung on to like his old gift cards. I hung on to literally everything. I actually have some of his old college notes that he wrote studying for a test framed in my house as we speak. So as I heard this line, should have kept every grocery store receipt, I didn't really know what she meant at first. And then I really started to think deeply about it. And I think it is you know, you just try to grasp for any tangible item when someone does pass. Um, so when I hear that line now, I'm just like, holy smokes. Like I just, it's just so deeply personal and just, I think it just really speaks to Taylor's talent. But yeah, that's my little deep moment. Yeah. This song is deep as hell. I had to skip it. It's just, (laughs) it's too good. Like, especially the line you said, that line always makes me choke up when I listen to it. Cause it's just like, it's like an all too well when she says, you call me up again just to break me like a promise. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, it just really hits you in a way that you wouldn't expect to hit you. Uh, yeah. Like, watch, did you sign your name? Marjorie. 
That's mm-hmm. how it's pronounced. Yeah. Like, just little things like that. It's just too good. But it is, like, the um, soon you'll get better for me. You know, it's just yeah. too... It's too good. It's too good. See, I feel like I listen to this song easier than I listen to Soon You'll Get Better. I don't know why. But my best friend from home, uh, the same one that used to cry to last kiss in the shower. Who hasn't? Who among us hasn't? (laughs) Such a good song. She told me with before knowing really like she's a Taylor fan. She's always listened to her music, but like hasn't always dove in deep like we do. Um, And she told me that the song reminds her of her grandma who hasn't passed as of you know mm-hmm. yet um but like really reminded her of her grandma and i was like well you know marjorie is taylor swift's <laughs> grandma yeah and my friend was like oh wow like i was like this is why you need to listen to the podcast okay <laughs> shall we move on to the next song yes so Closure was written by Taylor Swift and Aaron Dessner. It was produced by Aaron Dessner, BJ Burden, and James McAllister. I really like this song. Oh, I actually have a very written out note for this one as well. Okay, let's hear it. So when I heard this song, it instantly reminded me of a past interview that Taylor did. And I was convinced it was in Miss Americana. So I watched the whole Miss Americana <laughs> movie and it wasn't in that movie. And I was like, wait, where the fuck is this quote? Um, so I Googled it and found it instantly. I don't know why I didn't try that first. But I, this interview really stuck with me. So in an interview with CBS Sunday Morning in 2019, Taylor was asked why she sings songs to her enemies and critics such as Kim Ye and... Taylor answers, quote, well, when they stop coming for me, I will stop singing to them. You know, people go on and on about like, you have to forgive and forget to move past something. No, you don't. You don't have to forgive and you don't have to forget to move on. You can move on without any of those things happening. You just become indifferent and then you move on, end quote. So when I heard this song and when she sings, I don't need your closure, like my mind just like instantly like ran to this like memory I had of this interview because honestly I avoid confrontation and I'm kind of the same way. I'm like, I don't need your closure. But like, that's such like a, people just don't say that. Like people are always like, no, you should forgive and like, you know, have this moment and really like be at peace with it. So when Taylor said this on TV in a public Mm -hmm. interview, I was like, Godspeed, you are right. Yes. Taylor. So I think that this whole song is pretty yeah. much that quote. Yeah. I can totally see it. Yeah. I really like this song because I I love how just you can feel the anger in it. And I feel like as the song goes on, it just gets angrier and angrier. Yeah. And I love the line. It's in the second verse. I'm fine with my spite and my tears and my beers and my candles. <laughs> yes. Because honestly, when you're just like so angry at a situation... Like, you don't need that person sending you a letter that's an apology. Like, you don't need that no. shit. Like, leave uh-huh. me alone. I don't need your closure. I don't need your letter. I'm fine with, I'm fine being angry about this. Like, that's how I'm going to yeah. move on, you know? Uh-huh. That's my way of handling the situation. Me too. And I love that theme. Yeah. So interesting. I feel like in situations in my life where I have been really burned by either a friend or whoever, I feel like I always avoid that, like, closure text message discussion anything like I will get over it honestly like within probably a year and then Mm -hmm. I can be like cordial with that person again but like I just it's just I avoid all the emotions Mm -hmm. like I do not want to have like I'm a very emotional person and just so like having a conversation with someone sitting across from me about our emotions it's just too much stimulation Mm -hmm. like I'm just like that's too much feeling I can't like don't make this happen to me it's easier to just like have spite yeah I think we should talk about the bridge because I think this bridge is good yes do you want to read it yes so the bridge begins quote I know I'm just a wrinkle in your new life staying friends would iron it out so nice guilty guilty sorry I (laughs) I have to say it that way reaching out across the sea that you put between you and me. But it's fake and it's oh so unnecessary. 
I love this bridge because it's exactly what you just said. Like staying friends, it would iron it out so nice. But no, like you put this C between us and it would be so fake and unnecessary for me to even pretend, you know? Yeah. I love that. Yeah, because you really can just move on and, you know, it really was that traumatic of a situation. Yeah, like like it's like a C between you and that situation that they put there. Mm -hmm. It's like, don't try to reach across it. You put it there. I'm on the other side. Bye. (laughs) Do we think that this song is about Carly Kloss? No. You don't think so? I don't think she's worth like this song, you know? Yeah, this song's too much of a masterpiece. Like, I, I really just don't think she's worth it. We'll get to these songs, but there are um, some lines that I think could like sort of hint towards her. Mm-hmm. But I just, yeah, I don't think, don't think she's worth it at this point, you know? <laughs> this song is too camp for uh, Carly Kloss. I don't even think that works, but I just... Oh my God. <laughs> Y'all listening, if you follow me on anything, then you know I am so obsessed with Carly Claus's camp Met Gala look, it literally lives rent-free in my head because it so is bad. so awful. And she, why did she have to tweet looking camp right in the eye right before <laughs> she came out? Like, she did it to herself. If she hadn't have tweeted that, I would never have thought of her outfit ever again. Yeah. So I recently came to a realization that me being obsessed with this and every time... I see a meme about it. I've retweeted it because it just cracks me up. It's, it's so funny. Like in the picture of it too, you know, she's got like her hands on her hip and it's like from the side. It's so funny. I mean, and she's a literal supermodel who can make any outfit look good. And this dress just looks straight up awful. It's just like, I don't even know how it's possible. It's like a homecoming dress. But I, I was thinking hard about this, that me doing this and me just living on this is making it camp and therefore it's like carly actually like got it right because i'm still talking about it (laughs) like even though i'm talking about it like in an ironic way it's like i have made it camp and i i i know it's not just me i know it's the entire internet because i'm not alone in this i don't write the memes they do i just retweet them (laughs) but we made it camp y'all and i think i'm the only person who's realized this so far so Mm -hmm. Just want to let everyone know. That is a very good point. We made it camp. Oh, God. Oh, no. So the next song in Evermore is, you guessed it, Evermore featuring Bonnie Vare. Mm. So Evermore was written by Taylor Swift, William Bowery, okay, Joe Allen, You're Not Fooling Us, Taylor, and Justin Vernon from Bonnie Bear and produced by Taylor Swift and Aaron Dessner. Oh, I actually have my notes all written out for this one too. I really went ham with the last part of the album. Let's hear it. So this is what I wrote. Quote me. During my You're first- You're quoting w- yourself. Whoa, <laughs> big move. Ooh. It's kind of fun. I don't really remember what I wrote. Okay. So I wrote, during my first listen, I instantly loved Evermore. I feel like it takes me to a different place entirely. I love the piano in it, and William Bowery, aka Joe Alwyn, helped write this one. So I wonder if he wrote the piano for this like he did for Exile, end quote. Um, So (laughs) I really do think that the piano in Evermore is super beautiful, and it reminds me of the exile piano a lot so when i saw especially that he helped write this song i like instantly just imagined in my mind that he wrote this like piano tune a lot like how taylor describes how he wrote the exile piano Mm -hmm. in the long pond sessions so i go on in my notes saying Speaking of Bonavere, I didn't initially like the Bonavere part, but now I like it and think it's necessary to avoid the song becoming too redundant and boring. End quote from me. That was all me. And I do think that's true. A lot of people talk shit about the Bonavere part in this song, but I think that I'm about the. To. Yeah, I know, I know you are. <laughs> um, but I think, like, to me, Evermore is super beautiful, and I think that if it just carried on the whole song, just like that little wave that it rides on it would just it would just feel boring like I feel like it needs that like displacement of the Bonavera part to really make it a fully composed complete song yeah so I really like this song I think it's good I think it also kind of 
has a similar mental health theme. I feel like that's kind of throughout this album. Like, Grey November, I've been down since July. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this girl is depressed or going through some seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. I think this song has a bunch of good one-liners, you know? Mm-hmm. What I say to myself would be old school Facebook statuses when those were a thing. <laughs> you know, when you would make a, a yeah. Taylor Swift lyric a Facebook status? This is riddled yeah. with those. Oh, yeah. And I really like it. I I listen to the song, but I have to skip it when it gets to the Bon Iver part because I cannot. And this is this is a me thing. I'm not critiquing him. I'm not critiquing the song. But his voice is just so high that it, mm-hmm. it like it, it my body just physically reacts in a negative way and I don't know why but it's just like it's like nails on a chalkboard to me and I I just I wish he had sang it in the register he did in Exile and that mm-hmm. deep voice and I I think it would have made the song better but it's just so high oh I hate it so much it makes me crinkle up like ugh. I hate it it's too high and I like Bonavere. I've listened to his music since I was in middle school. You know, like I know, yeah. I know how high his voice can get. But this is just too much for too long. I've had it up to here with him. <laughs> that was too spot on, Cressy. <laughs> I have seen a lot of Bonavere fans say, like, you know, this is really like the voice that he sings in most of the time, and like things like that, kind of clapping back against the, um, you know, the hate on his verse or bridge i guess you would call it the bridge because it's yeah i think i think the chorus and the bridge is both of them yeah because it's the first half is all her Mm -hmm. and again i'm not being a hater i just it's my ears it's a me thing (laughs) i wish i liked it because i really like the lyrics and i like the worst of the song and i wish i could finish the song that i like you know i want to not be a hater Bringing it back to what you said, one of the first things you said about this song about it being riddled with facebook statuses I just know that high school me, if I had a crush and I was trying to be cryptic on Facebook, would have 100% made my status and I couldn't be sure. I had a feeling so peculiar. Oh my God. (laughs) That's a good one. That's definitely the level of drama I would be looking for. There are just so many good things in there, like sending signals to be double-crossed. That's another Mm -hmm. good one. Writing letters addressed to the fire. That's good. (laughs) Ooh. Good stuff. Imagine if you like went through a breakup in July and then Ooh. you could just say. I really, <laughs> I think that would break me <laughs> if I had a Taylor song that was that spot on. <laughs> and you're like still not over it. And it was a song I couldn't even finish listening to. <laughs> Sorry if anyone listening went through a breakup. Oh my God, I would die. Just from the first line. I've been down since July. Someone definitely had that moment that I talked about earlier about something being way too personal. Mm -hmm. We are pouring one out for y'all. We went through something in July. So the next track is bonus track one, Right Where You Left Me. It was written by Taylor and Aaron Dessner and produced by Aaron Dessner. When I first heard both of the bonus tracks, I know I said this to Cressy. I was like, I really can't tell these two songs apart. Uh, the right where you left me and it's time to go. I take that back. Ever since that point, I have to say, I think right where you left me is the superior bonus track. Okay. I really have begun to cling to this song. This song reminds me a lot of the man who can't be moved by the script, but sadder. Deep cut. Deep throwback. You just like unlocked a middle school playlist of mine. <laughs> I know. This this episode is turning too nostalgic for me about like high school, middle school, like Facebook angst. Yes. But yeah, the man who can't be moved by the script is just about a guy who stands out of the corner where him and his girlfriend used to meet waiting for her to come back. Okay. So right where you left me, a little bit sadder than that. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. I have another thing I have to say and then I'm going to let you go. Okay. Um, I don't think that I'm the only one who thought this, but in the line, glass shattered on the white cloth, I a thousand percent thought she said glass shattered on the white cloth. That doesn't even make sense. Wait, to me, you just said the exact same thing twice. What did you say the second time? I know what the line is. That's the problem. (laughs) Um, So the line is glass shattered on the white 
cloth. Marriage. Wedding. Okay, that works. But in my alcoholic mind, I thought that she said glass shattered on the white claw. C-L-A-W. Claw. Oh. Oh my God. So when Cressy and I like listen to these songs and prepare for these episodes, we like keep notes in our phone. When I first heard this song, I had a fully written out note about, does Taylor Swift drink White Claws? Oh my God. Is this like the Twitter line in um, the lakes? <laughs> like, is this like a modern reference? White Claw 2020? Like I literally like went on and on and then like, very deeply speculated whether she drinks White Claws or not. I'm going to go with no. Yeah. I think that she has better things to drink. Um, yeah. But she does yeah. drink beer out of plastic cups. I like, I like yeah. the way she really enunciates the S in that line. Not saying that Taylor Swift is not like, she doesn't like, not saying that she doesn't like keep it real and, you know, not that she's not humble, but I could definitely see like, her and her rich celebrity model friends bringing a pack of White Claws to the party to be like an anomaly. Like, oh, look, we are going to try White Claws for the first time. Like, oh, my God. Like, I could totally see that. Yeah. Like, oh, like, so funny. Let's drink a White Claw. And then they're like, okay, like the now pores. bring out the boob. <laughs> what? Like the pores do. Yeah, like the pores do. Like, oh, we've never tried them. We've seen them everywhere. <laughs> and then they're like, boob. Only boob. Yeah. Pop the bottles. But, Okay. You can go now. <laughs> um, so I just want to clarify what Ali said. The actual line is on the white cloth. And this is alluding to the the Jewish tradition at weddings when they break the glass. Okay, so I definitely wasn't aware of that tradition, so that definitely makes a lot of sense. And like I said, glass shattered on the white claw makes absolutely zero <laughs> sense. So it was just something I was trying to make happen that it didn't. Kind of yeah. similar to Starbucks lovers. Yeah. You know? Or standing on my tallest toilet or whatever from Mirrorball that I thought it was. I thought she said toilet. Oh my god. I wasn't aware. So I want to talk about what Taylor said about this song. She, via Twitter, when she was announcing the bonus tracks, she said, the first is a song about a girl who stayed forever in the exact spot where her heart was broken, completely frozen in time, end quote. And I like that. I think that's such a great way of summarizing this song because it is about just someone being frozen in the moment. Mm -hmm. And a super, super like traumatic moment where like everything just changes. And I feel like people have those moments in life sort of like this, whether they're good or bad, and you think of, like, your timeline as in before this happened and then after this happened, you know? Mm -hmm. Even mm -hmm. if it's, like, a, a good memory. Yeah. And the song is just so good. But I don't believe the um, Kalers have any merit here. They really pull it in on Twitter for this song. Really? Okay. Yeah, because they're talking about how she's hurt that she's getting married because she wants to marry Carly. Oh. And, like, oh. yeah. Y'all know I hate Kaylers, and if you're a Kayler, buzz off. I'm not I'm not dealing with y'all today. I'll oh save it for God. another day. We definitely have Kayler <laughs> listeners, so it's rude. Even if Taylor is yeah. gay, that is hers to tell. That isn't you mm -hmm. it, you wouldn't out a regular fucking person. Why would you out Taylor? Like shh. Yeah. It makes me so angry. Like, even if this is true, and I, I don't think it is, but even if it is, that's really like fucking rude what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't, you don't out people. You can't, yeah, speculate about someone's sexuality, where she obviously has never spoken about even being bisexual. Exactly. You know? And if, if that were true, that's her story to tell. And there are just specific lines that make me think about it, just about this girl being 23. It's, did you ever hear about the girl who got frozen? Time went on for everybody else. She won't know it. She's still 23 inside her fantasy. They didn't stop being friends when Taylor was 23. Like, that's not when time would stop still if this was about her. They were older. But yeah, that's all I really have to say. I really like this song, though. But to me, um, both of the songs are equal. I don't have a favorite. That's how I was until this one really grew on me today. But I'm just now realizing... In the song, Right Where You Left Me, she talks about how presumably the man or her boyfriend or whatever comes and says that he met someone else, mm -hmm. which also falls in line with 
Ivy, August, nobody, no crime. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's always like a triangle everywhere. But I think the reason I like this song, like, it just makes me think of like, you're like, darkest day Mm -hmm. after a breakup when you're like when people are always like oh you'll get past it time heals all wounds and you're like in the like middle of the night what if it doesn't (laughs) yeah this is the song i would listen to on my darkest day yeah like a breakup shall we wrap things up yes so the very last song on the deluxe album is it's time to go because it's time to leave evermore behind it's time to leave this two-night episode behind (laughs) um it's time to go to bed but it's time to go was written by taylor swift and aaron dessner and was produced by aaron dessner so i think the first thing that I feel like, honestly, personally, we are obligated to discuss this line, Cressy, mm-hmm. because of our Carly Kloss episode. I'm just going to read. Oh, before you even read it, I just want to say right there with you for sure. Yeah. We even got the alliteration with crook. Carly crook. You know, like, it just works. <laughs> it does. So the lines that everyone has been relating to Carly Kloss from this song, which every time I hear, I like, I see something like, it's about Carly Kloss, I'm like, Cressy and I did that. We did that. I mean, I I feel like a lot of people knew already, but like, we really dove in. I'm like, if you only knew. Yeah. Okay. The lines go, when the words of a sister come back in whispers that prove she was not, in fact, what she seemed, not a twin from your dreams, she's a crook who was caught. I love this little section. Yes. Because it's like she was like her twin. They had that twinning Vogue cover where they were twins. No, they talked about them like dressing the same and both being blonde. And like they would literally wear the same like different shoes Mm -hmm. so they could be the same height. And they would accidentally wear like the same outfits too. Yes. And she's a crook who was caught. Caught having people over that weren't invited. Well, and even the... Um, the words of a sister that come back in whispers, like, you know, gossip, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm sure when she started to hear that Carly was, you know, talking about Taylor or talking about Taylor to Scooter Braun, it came back in whispers. Um, speaking of Carly, before we go on, um, she was recently in the news because she like spoke out against the um, Trump administration, which I thought was interesting because, you know, it's like over now. But like, good for you, I guess, mm-hmm. for saying something now. Like, we're 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 past that, Carly. But all right, if that's like what you want. <laughs> also, like Carly, now your family's all you've got. And yeah, now you're gonna like. <laughs> yeah, but then a story came out about Ivanka Trump and how they're like apparently actually really good friends in real life, and that they just don't talk about politics. And that was just like such a like a champagne problems moment for me, like a rich people problems, like. They don't even, like, talk about the real world. They're just, like, gal-palling around, talking about model stuff. Yeah. yeah, just made me dislike her even more. And that would not have come out if she hadn't have opened her mouth at the last possible second. I feel like Carly Kloss has a very shallow view of friendships. Yeah, exactly. Because if they are friends in real life, she just threw her under the bus, her sister-in-law. Like... <laughs> And it's not like anyone was like, Carly, Carly, we've been waiting forever. What do you have to say? You know, like, it's over. Sorry for the tangent, y'all. Yeah. This has been, um, like, on my Twitter feed recently, so that's why I thought (laughs) about it. It's just so interesting to me. She's just, she doesn't seem like a good friend to anyone. Yeah. Even, like, seemingly nice people like Taylor. She seems like she's friends with people who can do things for her. Mm Mm-hmm. And when Taylor started losing popularity right before Reputation, suddenly Taylor couldn't do much for Carly at that moment. Oh, and look at look at how time repeats itself. Mm-hmm. When her family, her family-in-laws, are moving out of the White House, it's time for her to jump ship again. <gasps> such a good point. She does this every time. God, she's such a shitty friend. <laughs> Like, yeah, they're no longer in power. It's shocking. Oh, my God. She's doing it again. We have you pinned. We've never met you. You'll never listen to this, but we have exposed you. You're a crook who was caught. Yeah. 
And that's just so funny that this song came out before all of this stuff and the news came out. But let's talk about what Taylor said about this song. Yeah. She tweeted that this song, quote, It's Time to Go is about listening to your gut when it tells you to leave, end quote. And I really like this song and I really like what she has to say about it because I am that kind of person who really, like, I follow my gut, mm-hmm. my intuition. If it, if I feel like something's wrong, mm-hmm. I'm going to peace out. Yeah. And sometimes that makes me pretty lame. Sometimes it's like 9 p.m. and I'm like, all right, bye losers. I'm going home. And then everyone ends up having a great time. Yeah. You know, like, but for whatever reason, if I feel like, if something in my gut is like, this isn't good. Yeah. I leave. And I really like how this song talks about it. And it talks about that feeling in every different way, like in romantic ways Mm -hmm. and platonic ways, like friendships Mm -hmm. and with parties, you know? (laughs) And I like how this song is a direct juxtaposition of the previous song. Yeah. Yeah. It's the complete opposite. That is pretty poetic. Right. Where you left me is about being stuck in time. And this one is about leaving that time forever. Yeah. So I just, I love the way they line up together. And I feel like, here's my hot take, all right, everyone. If I haven't annoyed y'all enough with my hot takes on Carly Kloss, please don't come after me, Kaylers. I really don't have the energy for it. (laughs) All right, here's my hot take. With this song, I think, I'm saying it right here, right now, this is going to be added to our 2021 predictions. And we're going to revisit this at the end of the year. I don't think... She is going to write any more songs about Kimye, Scooter, Scott, Carly, any of those old movies. I think with this song, she's closing that chapter. It's done. Oh, I like that. She's done having any innuendos. And I like that too, because I'm getting, it's getting old. It's four albums, if you think about it. We have four albums about everyone I just named. That is so true. And even though sometimes it's just little places here and there, and it's like, all right, that's four fucking albums. That's a lot. And I think she is realizing it's time to move on. It's time to stop writing about this. We've obviously argued that I forgot that you existed is about Carly Claus. We've like mm-hmm. named lines and look what you made me do about Carly Claus. I think that this is the most outward line ever. Yeah. Unanimously agreed upon that this mm-hmm. line is about Carly Claus. And I think it's the most direct line Taylor has ever written directly about Carly Claus. Yeah. And agreed. I like that that's your prediction because I think that makes a lot of sense. Like she is mentioning these people in this song, but it, I do really hope that your prediction is correct because I think that that would be fantastic. Like, and I think it is time to go and I'd be happy for Taylor to focus on other things because she doesn't need this stress in her life. No, she doesn't need all these articles that are like, did Taylor release a new song about Carly Kloss? Yeah. Like, if you Google Carly Kloss, you're going to see in the news tab, like, things about Taylor. Still. Like, still. Yeah. Let's let it die. We'll probably forget the rest of Carly's life. Maybe, you know, Taylor will probably disassociate with Carly. She's a crook who was caught. That being said, I do have a series of lines that I think are very clearly about Scott Borchetta. And it kills me every time to not say Scott Borchetta, but whatever. (laughs) Um, The lines go... 15 years, 15 million tears. Beg until my knees bled. I gave it my all. He gave me nothing at all. Then wondered why I left. Now he sits on his throne in his palace of bones, praying to his greed. He's got my past frozen behind glass, but I've got me. If that's not about Scott Borchetta, I don't know what else is. Agreed. The 15 years, 15 million tears. Obviously, the amount of time that she was with Scott Borchetta, you know, working with Scott Borchetta, um, but also could the 15 years, 15 million tears, could that be a reference to the song 15? Yeah. But I think the line when I was just listening to this that really caught my attention is that he's got my past frozen behind glass, but I've got me like her past, all of her songs. (laughs) It's yeah, they are frozen. And even just, like, framed records, you know? They're literally behind glass. Yeah. Records. Like, platinum records and stuff. But she's got her. And they don't have that. So, good luck finding another fucking Taylor Swift. It's not possible. (laughs) I also really like the chorus in this song. Sometimes Mm -hmm. giving up is a strong thing. Sometimes to run is a brave thing. Sometimes walking out is the one thing that will find you the right thing. All of that. Retweet. I don't want to read the whole thing because it's basically that over and over. (laughs) But I love that because I think 
something that's such a big thing that's like shoved down our throats in media is like that you have to fight for what you love and Mm -hmm. you have to be like in the notebook and build a a house Mm -hmm. for someone who doesn't want you. I mean, I think they end up together. It's been a while since I've seen it. But, like, you've got to fight for it. You've got to hold on to it. You've you got to build a house. you got to do these romantic gestures. You don't give up. I don't give up by Jason Mraz. But you know what? Sometimes it's, like, stronger to give up. Yeah. Let's give up, people. Well, and it's putting yourself first, you know? Yeah. Which is the one thing that will find you the right thing. So good. I'm so sorry, everyone. I forgot to bring this up in uh, Cowboy Like Me. They mentioned the one. They say the one. Oh. There's that line. I just glanced at my notes and I saw that. I didn't say that. So saying it now. <laughs> Much later. So with that being said, I think that wraps up our Evermore episode. What do you think, Cressy? I agree. Thank you all so much for listening and for everyone who sent us those reactions and comments. We'll look forward to that episode coming soon. Yeah, one of our next episodes coming out will be our Evermore Reactions episode where we hear your reactions and Cressy and I react to those. So that'll be really fun. We've really enjoyed seeing those come in. And if you want to send us some extra ones, if it is before the night that we record, maybe we'll include it. But that being said, you can also send us your questions that you want Cressy and I to answer on the podcast if you email us at gfaweekend at gmail.com and you can just send your questions in with the subject line Taylor Talk and maybe your question will be featured on one of our episodes. Yeah, sometimes we get questions on our social media accounts. Sometimes we reply to them and don't think, hey, we should talk about this in an episode. So when you email them, then it really reminds us Let's spread it to the pod. Let's talk about it with everyone instead of just the three of us. You, me, and Allie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you guys bring up some really good points that Cressy and I will talk about for a while. And then, like, yeah, by the time we record the episode, we're just like, oh. Like, we just, yeah, it completely gets (laughs) lost in the abyss of all Taylor has to offer. And until then, please keep leaving us reviews. It helps us so much. Y'all are our rocks. You guys have kept us sane during this pandemic. I live alone. I have no one to talk to but (laughs) y'all. Um, and me. I said y'all. Through a microphone. (laughs) Um, and as always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at at GFA Weekend. And you can follow our subreddit, r slash good for a weekend. And you can like our good for a weekend page on Facebook and You can follow us on Tumblr. Man, we are doing the most. I am definitely neglecting at least one of those. It's okay. Jury's out on which one. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, head us up. Well, until next time, GFAW listeners. GFAW out. Out. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu.